the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Episodes we have broadcast, we have recorded of the Battle for 1600. Maybe the new reimagined one. I think we're on episode four or five. This is your central depot for all matters MAGA. What you need to know about the upcoming elections, about candidates, about audits, with my co-host, the Baron Boris Epstein, former strategic advisor of the Trump 2020 campaign, my former colleague from the White House, former special assistant to President Trump. Follow, he has a baronial way. For those of you who aren't watching, he's waving at you through the airwaves. Follow him, Boris EP on Twitter, Boris underscore Epstein on Instagram, and I'm Sebastian Gorka. Boris, you've been making some news, my dear co-host. I love to make news. I love to make news. <laughs> All right, well, rolling I... stone gathers no moss. Yes, you are definitely rolling. You are rolling right now, and we must mention it because it is episode 65. My little gremlins, my little elves have told me it is episode 65. That's crazy. Let's talk about crazy. you, Boris. Let's turn the mics on. He is in an undisclosed location, and you gave an interview with somebody. How dare he do that? How dare he talk to other people? No, he's a media gadfly. He's fighting the good fight. And you said something fascinating. You said um, there is no constitutional impediment to the reinstatement of President Trump should the audits go in a certain direction. We'll talk about what we're finding out from the audits in a second. But, you you know, you've got that fancy law degree from Georgetown. I've been pretty explicit as a non-lawyer why I think the reinstatement scenario is an absolute non-starter. But we are here. We don't censor. We don't censor. Tell us why you, as a trained legal professional, say, yeah, President Trump could be reinstated. Here's my view, Sebastian. It's so great to be here. So great to celebrate our 65th episode. And I can't wait for number 100 and so on and so forth. Here's my perspective. The Constitution is a negative rights document. So in the Constitution, there are certain provisions, right, that lay out specific rules, specific processes. There's also a lot of prohibitions, right? The First Amendment is a prohibition against the government abridging the freedom of speech, abridging freedom of religion against the establishment, so on and so forth, right? In being a negative rights document and having a Tenth Amendment that reserves all rights not and, 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 and powers all not enumerated to the states, the Constitution works in a way that if it's something is not mentioned in it and it's not been ruled upon by the Supreme Court, it's by definition possible, okay? For example, the Supreme Court says absolutely nothing about us doing a podcast together, right? 
Yet here we are doing a podcast. The Supreme Court also, the, 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 the Constitution and the Supreme Court also say absolutely nothing about, you know, the wedding cake case from Colorado, right? And in, in the, the, effectively the gay, you know, the gay marriage case that was so important, um, you know, to the, in the Supreme Court ruling in terms of uh, gay marriage and its, and its standing. The way the Constitution works is that it, it, it either lays something out, prohibits it, or leaves open the possibility. So in terms of reinstatement, to say that, well, the Constitution doesn't have a process for it, the Constitution doesn't allow for it, thereby it's impossible, is, in my belief, a misreading of the Constitution. Now, what, am I saying that the reinstatement is definitely going to happen? No, what I'm saying is that it's a mistake to say it's impossible. What I'm saying is that after the first step is we've got to get the receipts out of Arizona, out of Georgia, which is absolutely blowing up, out of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, all the places we know there was widespread election fraud. Let's get the information. The next step likely would be a decertification of the electors by a state like Arizona. Then I actually would think the Democrats would bring a suit and say, well, you cannot decertify. And at that point, there's going to be a legal case and it would go to the Supreme Court. That's one of several ways it could go. Point being, is that there's no prohibition against reinstatement. Is it specifically laid out? Absolutely not. But there's no prohibition against it. Thereby, it has to be an open question. Thereby, it would be up to the Supreme Court to decide. And, you know, that all we can say is, as the president says, President Trump says, we'll see what happens. Okay, so here's my, my pushback as a layman, okay? But as a person who looks at the Constitution, understands the precedent of the last, you know, 200-odd years. Uh, number one, yes, the Constitution is an enumeration of things that cannot be done by the government, okay? Absolutely, I understand that. But there is a common-sense application of that. Uh, the Constitution may not say that a president cannot be reinstated, but that doesn't mean that it is possible because the Constitution doesn't say that I cannot declare myself the emperor of Mars. I can declare myself the emperor of Mars. So what? I could say I'm a bowl of petunias. That's not forbidden by the Constitution. Doesn't mean I can become a bowl of petunias. In fact, it is impossible for me to become a bowl of petunias or the emperor of Mars. So, Did you become a woman? No. I, I, I can't become a woman, right? So, so the idea that just because it doesn't say, therefore, it's possible, I think there's a, there's a, there's a common sense moment where that kind of is, is challenged and breaks down. Secondly, if I look at the actual mechanisms, the Constitution is explicit that a president can only be removed from office through an impeachment, which requires the House and to bring charges by a simple majority, and then a two-thirds of a, a supermajority in the Senate to actually remove him off from office. So there is, there is the question of the mechanisms. Okay, you decertify. Let's say four states decertify their votes. So what? Uh, that, that doesn't instantly create any electoral college magically out of thin air to have a, a retelling of the votes. There is, no, there is no new safe harbor date for a second electoral college after the first one oh. has been called. And then the last one is just a question of, of, of real politique in the current environment. If the Supreme Court are such a bunch of cowards, bar two people, and we know who they are, that they don't even hear the case that Texas brought with 16 or 17 other states with regard to the last election. On original jurisdiction. On original jurisdiction, which is absolutely unbelievable that they did that. The idea that 
the courts or the Supreme Court are somehow going to fall in line now and do something far, far more controversial than hearing a case on standing, but actually reinstating a president? I just don't buy it. Your response, Baron. So on number three, I agree with you. I think that's that's a tall order. And I think specifically this Supreme Court, that's a tall order. That does not contradict my, my larger point, right? So number three, we tend to agree on. But my perspective is that it could get to the Supreme Court. And my point is that it is not explicitly unconstitutional. It will be up to the Supreme Court to decide. So that's number three, right? In terms of, number, in terms of your second point, where it does lay out a process... Yes, it does lay out a process, and there is a process for impeachment. Now, it actually doesn't say it's the only process. There is a process for impeachment in there. And and the, the bigger question really then becomes this, right? If there is incontrovertible evidence of fraud, of, of, of very specific, overwhelming fraud through which Joe Biden became president, can there really not be a way to cure that? I'm not so. I'm not so sure. And my point. But describe in, in my, it. My, describe as a lawyer. Describe what that mechanism the, would be. The, here's the potential lawsuit. The potential lawsuit would be this: Democrats sue against. Uh, uh, Democrats would sue against decertification. Say the state of Arizona is decertifying, and and the say it's the state senate. Right. The reply would have, okay, we're going to decertify, and then the state the state legislators. And again, this is my perspective here, right? But one plausible way would be for the state legislatures to say we now call on the House to retally the electoral votes based on what the actual certification after the fraud's been uncovered has been. And, who, and, who, and who controls the House? It would be it would go to the original rules, right? So it would go to the rules where it goes by uh, it goes by delegation. It would be the same as if it would happen on, you know, January 20th or January 15th or January 6th when it, when it was originally counted. By delegation, Republicans control the House. Now, this is such an unprecedented time. Who knows how anybody would vote? But that's a political question. We are now way beyond the line where I was, which is saying that to, to, to position it as this can never happen, it is absolutely impossible, in my view, is incorrect. Is it likely? I'm not necessarily saying that. Is it going to happen? Who knows the future? My perspective is that if, if you read the Constitution and, you know, if you read the whole Bill of Rights, the Constitution, all the amendments, and you put it all together, the 10th Amendment, which reserves non-enumerated powers to the states, the 12th Amendment, the 14th uh, equal, you know, equal protection, and then due process, if you, if you look at all of, all of it together, to me, there is a window and there is a path to challenge for a reinstatement and then it would come up to the Supreme okay. Court. And my reading of the court is similar as to yours. Okay. That so so let, 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 let's... Let me, let me just say one last thing. Yeah. Imagine a scenario. Imagine a scenario in which the evidence of, of election tampering, election fraud is so overwhelming. Or even, you know, in a different environment, right? It was... It, you have evidence that it's incontrovertible from a foreign entity. I'm not saying that's there, but imagine a scenario. If that were up to the Supreme Court, maybe it's this court, maybe it's a court with a different makeup, you could see plausibly how a court would say, you know what, this election was fraudulent. Just like the election board in North Carolina said that a congressional election two years ago, I believe, was fraudulent. And then they threw that out. That is my point. That's my perspective. I think we're in unprecedented times here, completely unprecedented. It could have been precedented if Nixon had challenged the 1960 election, Correct. where it was stolen from him. 
But this is unprecedented. It's never happened. But it was also unprecedented for us to be forced to wear masks for 18 months, right? Yeah. So I think we're in a time now where history is taking a turn, where history is is being determined. And my view, again, is let's not rule something out as impossible, especially as supporters of President Trump, because, you know, the other side is going to be doing that from from the jump. Right. They're yeah. going to say, you're so, idiots, you're fools. So here's exactly why I think even if it's theoretically possible, it's a massively bad idea. And this is what I believe and what I told the president. So let's say, um, let's go there, because I believe there was massive fraud. I think it's clear, you know, oh, they stopped counting. And in the four battleground states where the president was winning, magically, when they started counting again, suddenly he was losing. Uh, yeah, what right. And, and I, don't need, I don't need to argue empirical evidence in a court of law. I said it on the radio. I've said it on my Newsmax TV show. I don't need court cases. I don't need empirical evidence. The idea that a decrepit, white, elitist, racist politician who's been in the swamp for 47 years, got more votes than any other candidate in U.S. history, and, and actually more than the first black president. You have to be on drugs to believe that actually happened. So that, that, that's that where I stand, okay? I do believe it was a massively fraudulent election in places that, come on, guys, for 50 years since Joe Kennedy bought all the dead votes for his son, JFK, we've been joking about Chicago. Chicago, Philly, Atlanta. So this, this is like, why is it in America Detroit. we actually joke about metropolitan Democrat centers just stealing elections? It's an outrage. It's an outrage. So that's where I stand. But let's let's talk about, okay, in the next three months, next six months, incontrovertible evidence that more than 41,000 uh, vo votes were stolen, which brings him up to the Electoral College mandate in which he should have won. Here's my issue. So what? What do you do then? Because the president can go full bore and say at that point, OK, I demand reinstatement. And he deploys his lawyers, maybe you're on the team, Rudy, Jenna, everybody else, and they fight that fight. The cost of fighting that fight and likely losing, knowing the cowardice of not only judges across the country, but the Supreme Court, means he's toast, he's done for 2024. The damage that that would accrue to his campaign would be something I don't think that's recoverable. Here's the other scenario, and full disclosure, this is what I advised to the president. I said... If you have the evidence, which I think is highly likely, I mean, Georgia is blowing up, you're right. If you have that evidence, you use that as a political campaigning weapon for the next three years to say, <clears throat> this is what the Democrats do. And using that as a campaign element, you stroll back into the White House with a, a victory that is beyond question and actually positively exploits the fact that there was fraud. So th there's this theoretical approach, and you as an old campaign hand on multiple campaigns, I bring to you this practical political approach. What, what do you how do you react to what, how I relate to the so what if we have the evidence? I would tell you that our base, the MAGA base, if there's incontrovertible evidence... And then there's no action taken legally to, to at least push for a cure, 
right? No matter what the result may be, and nobody actually knows until you go there. I agree that most likely the Supreme Court will weasel out and will try to do something where Procedural there's no standing. or whatever, whatever technicalities. Right. Exactly. But if we do not do that, our base will be so depressed that 24 is going to be ugly. I actually happen to just – I think that if we do not – Put the fight all within coloring within the lines, all appropriately. But if we do not push the fight to its logical conclusion of, okay, this was incontrovertibly fraudulent. This president, you know, Biden is not there legally, okay? And then we push it forward and then it gets to the Supreme Court, which I think it likely would. And then whatever is decided is decided. If it's decided against us, which I agree with likely will, that's a, that's actually a political win. I think because that. Okay, so here's, I think this is the only this is the only place where I'm not even sure we differ because the, 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 I actually. All right, I'm going to stop talking about what I told the president, but I think we're we're on the same uh, hymn sheet. Here's my argument: if it is fraudulent, then the fight for legal remedy should occur. To, to the whatever the ultimate conclusion is should occur, but it should be utterly divorced from the personage of the 45th president of the United States and his campaign to become the 47th president of the United States. His, you know, friends, his lawyers, people like you, like Rudy, like Jenna, should, lo local state activists should take that case to the ultimate conclusion, even to the Supreme Court, but it shouldn't be attached to Donald Trump as ex-president or Donald Trump as future president because of the potential damage it does to the campaign should it, in all likelihood, utterly fail when it arrives at a bunch of feckless cowards at whatever level of the of, of the, the legal system? So, so I think for me, it's a it's a question of of the communication strategy and the separation of of mandates and responsibilities. Because what I'm interested in, and this is the only reason I'm saying what I'm saying, and I think you completely concur with me, I'm saying everything I'm saying to make sure that Donald Trump wins the election in 2024. Oh, we're 100% on the same page there. In terms of the actual legal process, as it could occur, most likely you're going to have the laws would be between the states that decertify and, you know, be the Democrat, the Democrat Party, Joe yes. Biden, something up. Now, is Donald Trump going to be supportive of that? We both know the president we, we, had, we were honored to serve and continue to support. That most likely is the case. Here's the one place where, you know, and this is a great discussion. I love this, right, where... I tend to not necessarily agree. I think of the Supreme Court, where do we weasel out on this? That would be such a rallying cry that it actually would be a political win for President Trump's base. So I actually don't necessarily see a loss. I think either way, if you push it, and, and again, I do think it would likely be the states who, which are to certify. If this is pushed the whole legal way after incontrovertible evidence of voter fraud is found, either the court rules... And there is somehow, you know, reinstatement through some of the paths I've talked about, which I agree with you is a tall order, or is if they've, as they have done so far, they weasel out. I think either way, it's a win for MAGA. I, That's I, my perspective. I, I, and there's people who disagree. You know, I think you, know, you mentioned. I think Mayor Giuliani is likely on my side. I think Jenna's come out and said that she's part of the folks who think that zero percent chance no way it can happen i disagree with that stance and reasonable people that's you know th that's part of studying the constitution people can disagree
Yeah. So here's here's the the last thing I'll say, and then we have to talk about these these races. This is my neuralgic point, and I I will not climb climb down from this. I agree that it would be a win for MAGA and a political win for the president if there were this flame out at the level of the Supreme Court. However, the word reinstatement must never be used. The, the idea that, that the former president is campaigning on re- reinstatement is an incredibly dangerous uh, communications tactic. And, and lastly, I'll say it right now as a non-lawyer prefacing it, there is no way, no way on earth right now with this Supreme Court that he will be reinstated. If you just look, if you just look at the Pennsylvania decision, forget the Texas one, the Pennsylvania decision prior to the election with this spurious, utter punting of the issue about the, 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 the mandate of the governor to just rewrite stuff willy-nilly anti-constitutionally, the idea that that Supreme Court under that chief justice is actually even going to consider for a microsecond reinstatement is untenable. And that's why I think it is utter legal exploitation to the end point. But the idea that we feed this, this for, somebody came up with the term hopium, this idea that, that magically there is a scenario for reinstatement, there is no scenario for reinstatement given the cowardice across the legal system in America. And I stand by that. Unless you have, you know, a a sense that suddenly in the next year, uh, judges across the country are going to grow spine and the Supreme Justice isn't going to be another weasel scumbag. It comes down to nine justices, right? It's very, they have been largely disappointing, including in in a recent ruling on Obamacare. Yes. You know, two justices appointed by, you know, by uh, President Trump. To me, I, I I agree with you about the cowardice of of the overwhelming you know majority of the Supreme Court. Oh, he was just about to say something, and he froze. He said he agreed with me. With hang on, okay, we lost you there for a second. So we 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 lost you where you said you agree with me on the cowardice of the Supreme Court. What did you say next? I agree with you on the cowardice of the Supreme Court, but to me, in the end, it, the, you know, I, I've seen so much, you and I have both seen so much over the last, gosh, five years and, and really going back. To me, it all it depends on the weight of the evidence. And that... Oh, we're losing him again. We lost you again. It's important. It depends it, on the weight, they, weight of the evidence. That's important. Carry on. It depends on the weight of the evidence. And the, and the bottom line is that our this conversation is important to have, but it's important to have after we get to the bottom of what truly happened in 2020 and we uncover all of the evidence. And at that point, depending on how overwhelming and controversial it is, we could have this discussion. We agree on the cowardice, and we agree on the fact that it's a very tall order. Okay, yeah. I agree on the cowardice of the of the Supreme Court, and I could not be more disappointed in how they treated the Texas case, the Pennsylvania case. It was interesting in the decisions that they made after January 20th. There were actually three justices who were pushing to hear to hear one of the election cases. But be all that as it may, we will cross that bridge when we get there. Right now, we've got to cross the bridge of let's get to the bottom of it in Arizona and Georgia and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and in Michigan. 
Absolutely. That's my, that's my Absolutely. We, we got to fight, fight, fight to get to the truth of what actually happened and get that evidence. He's Boris Epstein, my co-host, former strategic advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign. He was fighting on the ground to get to the truth, former special assistant to President Trump. I'm Sebastian Gorky. You can follow him, Boris EP, on Twitter, Boris underscore Epstein on Instagram. Okay, so many things to discuss when it comes to actual races on the ground. Uh, tell us, start, start off with uh, the Ohio Senate. What, what do magazines supporters need to know about the Ohio races? A lot of candidates in Ohio. I'm not involved in the Ohio race as of, as of right now. A lot of very interesting candidates. Josh Mandel is there. He's run, run for office several times, but a veteran, somebody who has an interesting background and is running as a, as a full you know, supporter of the MAGA agenda. Jane Timken, the former chairwoman of the Ohio Republican Party, also running in a, in a good position. Bernie Moreno, a businessman in Ohio, running an interesting campaign. You've got Gibbons running. So there's a big, big, big Republican, you know, all of them pushing for the MAGA endorsement crowd in Ohio. That's, that, that is a race definitely to watch, the Ohio Senate in 2022. All right. The Georgia Senate and Georgia governorship. Georgia Senate, that's the, that's the race against Warnock. Uh, and you know, there was a, been a lot of talk, a lot of talk about Herschel Walker potentially getting in the race. If, if he gets in, you know, the star from University of Georgia, if he gets in, Warnock's in trouble. We as Republicans need a strong candidate in Georgia. So I do hope that Herschel gets in. And if he doesn't get in, somebody, you know, somebody who brings that strength, brings that viability, does get in. I think Warnock is very vulnerable. He only beat Kelly Loeffler by two points. And, you know, we know Senator Loeffler was, a, was a, not a super, very strong candidate. So no. I think that somebody at the level of Herschel Walker could definitely get that Senate seat back. That's the seat that uh, Warnock won over Loeffler by just two points in uh, in 2020. All right. And, and, the- and by the way, that's also subject to what we uncover in Georgia. Yes, right? absolutely. It, 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 two points in, in a in an election that where we're uncovering tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of ballots where there's no chain of custody. That could be very well impacted. And then New York, Boris. Talk to us about New York. Beautiful New York, uh, the governor, the governor's race of uh, uh, in the city, uh, in, in the state. You've got Andrew Cuomo, likely, believe it or not, running for re-election, even though he's got scandal upon scandal upon scandal. You know what he did to kill elderly people in New York, in New York State, absolutely disgusting, despicable. He's had uh, accusations in terms of sexual harassment of women, but it appears that as Democrats do, right, as Northam did in Virginia, he's just trying to ride it out, and he's going to have a, uh, an, a strong Republican challenger. Lee Zeldin is in that race. Andrew Giuliani is in the race. Rob Astorino is in the race. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens on the Republican side. You know, it seems like Lee Zeldin has a lot of support from the county chairs, but Andrew Giuliani, Rob Astorino, could could get some strong support, you know, from the rank and file. So lots of lots of room still to develop in New York governors. And uh, what do you think, uh, given the primary, what do you think about the mayoral race in New York? Any Anything we should know about that, that former police officer? And I think, I think this is a statement by the people of New York that they're sick and tired of liberal BS yes. from losers, losers like Bill de Blasio. Eric Adams, who won the Democrat primary, is now going to be the overwhelming Light, you know, overwhelming favorite to win the general is a former police officer. He ran on an anti, anti-crime campaign. He is not somebody who Jamal Bowman and others you know, AOC have endorsed in New York. He ran as a center-left center, a center left 
Democrat. And I think that's a that's a strong statement in New York City that they are sick and tired of the rising crime, the anti-police sentiment, and they want somebody who's strong. You know, the Republican candidate Silva is an interesting candidate, but I think he's going to have a tough time. Eric Adams, if he wins this primary, as it seems like he will, is most likely going to be the mayor of New York. And as Rudy Giuliani, the greatest mayor in the history of New York, has said, that would be a positive for New Yorkers. Indeed. Uh, last question. It's hotting up. In Virginia, latest polling, neck and neck for this outsider, Youngkin, and Terry McAuliffe. If they're neck and neck, doesn't that mean something about the potential chance to take back Virginia? No question. And the Virginia State House as well. I think Glenn Youngkin's running a good campaign. I've got some good friends over there. I know some big supporters of his. He's a businessman. He's endorsed by the president. And Terry McAuliffe is a, you know, already was a governor once in Virginia. And, and he's as establishment and as Democrat operation as, as they come. Obviously, he comes out of the Clinton operation. I think McAuliffe's going to have a problem. And I think Youngkin, again, the people of Virginia, you're seeing what, what's happening on the school boards, not just in Virginia, but across the country. The MAGA movement is sick and tired of being being told to sit down and shut up, be it on critical race theory, be it on the the transgender bathrooms, be it on the election or the origins of COVID-19 and the masks. The American people overwhelmingly are are sick and tired of being told to just take it. And I think in Virginia, you're going to see a representation of that by a strong performance from Glenn Youngkin. Yeah, fascinating stuff. They are definitely fed up. We're going to be playing some unbelievable video and audio from the Loudoun County School Board meeting just last night. Americans have had enough with the indoctrination and the bigotry of the left. God bless you, Boris, for our MAGA update. This is your clearinghouse for everything you need to know about the America First world. If you are not a subscriber, subscribe today. Give us a review. Tell your friends the battle for 1600. Follow Boris, Boris EP, Boris underscore Epstein on Instagram. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is the battle for 1600. God bless.